Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my own money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just trying to find some way in hell to be interested in an XFL game. So you got to put some scoots down, baby. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or if you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie's your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. Use that promo code CHAIR to activate the offer C-H-A-I-R to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. season the phoenix arises above the dawning horizon of the 2020 steelers season welcome to the steelers outpost podcast a proud member of the armchair all americans network it is february 23rd 2020 this is tom coming to you from the sawdust studios at the washington dc outpost joined by nick from the houston outpost and we have big 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 ben news today it's a national holiday people We've been waiting on pins and needles. They've been saying, they've been teasing all week. The Steelers had teased. Uh, President Rooney had teased. We're going to get a Ben Roethlisberger update. Uh, he had this checkup scheduled in California for quite some time. I forget the you know, February checkup. And the hope was that Ben was going to get cleared to be able to throw a tennis ball for a month. And I think some people were scared by that, thinking, oh, this guy's only going to throw a tennis ball. But I would like to remember some, of, uh, to remind some of those people, I'd like to remember you, that Andrew Luck was throwing a Nerf, was throwing a tennis ball, I think maybe by like March. And then Luck was only throwing a Nerf ball by like the summertime before training camp started. Uh, not this past year, of course, he was retired, but the year prior. Uh, and he wasn't even throwing, and everyone's saying, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with Andrew Luck. He ends up throwing a regular football by the time training camp comes around and has pretty much the best season of his career, which also coincided with them finally getting an offensive line. But all I'm trying to say is that I know a tennis ball doesn't seem like a big deal, but it would be a sign that he's on the right track, given Ben you know, is a decade older than Andrew Luck. Well, there was no tennis ball in sight because the Steelmen released footage of Big Ben throwing the big boy NFL football in a gym. He was able to uh, skip over 
the tennis ball stage of rehab and already got to throw a regular sized NFL football. So technically he's a month ahead of schedule. And uh, to me, at this age, that means he's right on schedule. That honestly is huge news for Steelers fans. I know he's just throwing inside of a gym, but hey, look at what happened with Alex Smith the other year when he hurt his leg, broke his leg really badly. He got surgery. It got worse. He got another surgery. It got infected. Had to get more surgeries and things kept getting worse. So Ben's on track, it looks like, and we can rejoice because the Steelers are back in the Super Bowl running. Can I tell you, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm still getting used to social media, but this is a five-second video clip of a very, it's not quite awkward, but mostly I just can't take my eyes off this beard he's grown. Does, did he make some sort of promise with the devil that he wouldn't shave it? He's like, Samson. He did, actually. Yeah, oh. until he uh, throw. well, actually, I think he said until he throws a football, he wasn't going to shave. So I don't know if this counts, or I don't know if it means, like, throwing a game or throwing training camp, but he did make a deal with himself. I'm, I can't speak to the involvement of Satan, but a deal was made. His children can't recognize him. I guess they have watched it growing, so they might recognize him when he comes in the front door, but my goodness, and this... Yeah, skinny legs and the, the cut off. Yeah, right. Great sweatshorts. <laughs> the problem is uh, everybody outside of Pittsburgh hates him, anyways, because they're jealous of how unbelievable he is, and for other reasons. But it makes him look fatter. Is the problem? And I'm trying to tell people he's he's not that much fatter. He's regular fat. This man is out there. It's like you know Babe Ruth or Elvis before he got too fat. I mean, there's a little there's a little chunks thrown there, but this man. He's in the tradition of Jerome Bettis. doesn't matter, matter if he's carrying a little extra poundage on there. It's good to take the hits. He's just got that God-given athletic talent with those swift feet and that unbelievable throwing motion, which you get to see, thank God, for the first time in forever. doesn't matter if he's got a little extra poundage, but he's taking a little extra hate in the media because that beard. But, yeah, when you watch this when you watch this video, I guess you can understand if you don't watch Ben Roethlisberger videos for at least an hour every day for you know 17 years of your life, like I have. I can understand what people would think. Uh, he's put on some extra poundage. He looks like Ron Burgundy in the scene when he says, "Milk is a bad choice." When he's oh all down in the dumps. Look at this. Look at the responses. There's every kind of joke here, which I, I'm not going to go into. Uh, you can't look at Ben responses. Yeah, they're they're usually highly negative from. Uh, bad people but the ron burgundy thing is on there the uh, michael scott from the office all the things you would expect to see here well look it's good news i mean uh, we don't we don't we don't really have a ton of Steeler news to talk about so we might as well extrapolate five seconds of grainy video from sports performance center well we have we, have, we i think we do have plenty to talk about when it comes to this ben thing obviously it's just conjecture right but what are your feelings personally on like the outlook for this season, realizing that it does hinge on one man's robotic elbow at this point because that defense last year took a massive step forward, partially thanks to Tomlin and Butler, I guess you can say, but mostly thanks to Kevin Colbert for trading for Minka Fitzpatrick, for um, trading up to get Devin Bush, and for using every first-round pick of the past two decades on, on defensive players. Right, So even if they regress a little bit, which could be expected, given the crazy number of turnovers that they got, they should still be a very good defense, if not top five, top ten. And the offense, I think we agree they have a lot of impressive pieces, and it doesn't need to be the killer bees. It doesn't need to be a top five offense. you got to assume, I mean, Duck 
was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year besides Mason Rudolph, who was the other worst quarterback in the NFL last year. I mean, even Kyle Allen and, and people like that, Gardner Minshew, played better than these guys. Even Dwayne Haskins had a couple of good games at the end of the year. you got to assume, even if you don't have full Ben, even if you had 75% of Ben or just a league average quarterback, when you pair that with this great defense, you'd have a really good team. And then on the other hand, you know that, listen, this this injury, he's, he's scheduled to make a full recovery. It's an elbow. They reconstruct it the same way they would reconstruct the 24-year-old's elbow. And all the news so far about Ben has been positive. Remember at the beginning when they were diagnosing whether he needed one of the two different surgeries or a Tommy John or whatever it was, and it ended up, the case, the case was that Ben was getting the less invasive surgery, so that was positive news number one. Now we're getting positive news number two, that um, his recovery is totally on time. So everything's looking good, but we also know he's almost 40 and doesn't totally take care of his body. So where does your mind honestly sit right now with this recovery? Can you extrapolate anything at all, or are you just don't know? we're just psyched to see him throw? First of all, the defense is only going to get better. That's predicated on them franchising or re-signing Bud Dupree. That can happen, too. To it, to it comes back. So I think the defense will get better. And I can't believe that the Steelers can't win at least one more game making the playoffs which um, with Ben there. Like you're saying, you're, you're calling it 75%. I'm just saying, like, if he manages games better, he doesn't have to go downtown to win right. at least one more game than Mason and Duck did together. So, yeah, I think we'll be improved by at least one game. And if he makes a decent recovery, I'd expect a lot more than that. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I want to give two examples. Three, four. I got four examples off of the top of my head off of what I'm talking about. Tom Brady and the Patriots won the Super Bowl two years ago when they beat the Rams. And that is not 100% of Tom Brady. I know everyone assumes the Patriots win the Super Bowl. It must have been because of Tom Brady, even though they scored 13 points on offense and held a top five NFL offense in the Rams to, what, three points? Clearly, Brady was good, not great. And they won the Super Bowl. Whereas when they played against the Falcons, Brady was incredible and carried them to that win. Although I guess you can make the argument that their freaking defense shut out the eighth highest scoring offense in the history of football in the Atlanta Falcons and the Patriots defense shut them out for a whole second half. But I'm trying to make the point. Brady won the Super Bowl when he was maybe 80% of, of prime Brady. Drew Brees has not been prime Drew Brees for the past two or three years. They won't let Drew Brees throw the ball more than 30 or 40 yards downfield. Yet here they are in Super Bowl contention every single year. You also had John Elway winning two Super Bowls at the end of his career, and I know he got MVP in, at least, in one of those. But And then, you know what? The last example I'll say is Ben's first Super Bowl. That wasn't prime Ben. That was just a preview of what Ben could do. I think they used that phrase game manager too much with Ben in those days because, yes, he wasn't relied on to go throw the ball 30 times a game and win every game like he was asked to do during the Killer Bees era when they had no defense. He would throw the ball 20 times, but he would at least make three or four massive plays, whether it's a 40-yard pass or a scramble uh, for a first down or something like that. He would make these big plays early in his career. But all I'm trying to say is you don't need 2016, 2015, six touchdowns and back-to-back games version of Ben to be in Super Bowl contention. Right, so I think we agree. Looking forward to this season. I mean, I'm not sure what would go wrong. 
offensively. Um, so Ramon's gonna Ramon's gonna probably go right. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. I'm really excited to get answers to that. You know, Finney's gonna go. He's younger for sure. So many teams need linemen it's hard to see them keeping that guy although maybe they will pull a fast one and let Ramon go and somehow find a way to keep Finney but obviously we know we're we're so up against the cap right now that it's really difficult to to predict which moves they're going to make except for we can stop prognosticating about the Vance McDonald cut which everybody found so popular because Rooney came out and actually said they're not going to cut Vance McDonald. Just point blank, period. McDonald and Connor will be back next year, which honestly doesn't surprise me whatsoever. You and I have said it before. Vance, he's inconsistent from really from an injury standpoint, especially. And sometimes he just, he'll have an amazing game and then he won't catch a ball for two games. But overall, you can't blame, blame his low stats or Juju's low stats last year on them as individual players. Did they play great? No, they didn't. You know, they didn't play perfect, but clearly they were playing with totally inept quarterback play, so you'd have to expect that Vance's McDon- Vance McDonald's numbers will go up when Ben comes back. And it's not just his pass catching. He's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, too. Oh, that's definitely something I'd roll the dice on. I know people are worried about him being injury-prone, but you're, you're just not going to be able to get a um, get a, actually any free agent tight end that they've been talking about financially. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure. You know, you're going to use your. We're not going to draft until the second round, and you're going to go for a tight end. I guess you could do that. Is that well, the they probably point of need, or do you need? Yeah, to they would love up? to. But I mean, don't you don't you really need more um, edge rushers? I mean, there's just the the depth there kind of scares me. It's the only uh, thing I'd be really nervous about on defense. Yeah, I mean, if they get Bud, they're not. I, I'd be shocked if they. Well, they're not going to take. An edge rusher in round two if they get Bud because then you'll you'll have Bud, Bud and TJ from tag. right no it's a possibility it's it would be it would be annoying if you ask me because it's basically your first round pick again so we're doing what like eleven out of twelve years defensive player but I do think that they'll want to take a tight end if they can get a playmaking tight end in round two but you don't. You can't let Vance go and just wonder if you're going to get that tight end. It's not like there's a ton of them. And then even if you get the tight end you want, it's not like, what's the guy last year from Iowa who plays for the Detroit Lions? Oh, I'm just totally blanking on his name, but damn it, not Noah Fant. He's the other one. Whatever, the big white guy who plays for the Lions. He had a great season. He's top 10 pick as a tight end. You're not getting a guy like that that you know you can plug in day one. So I agree with you. It's like, if you let Vance, Mc, Vance McDonald go, you would need to draft a guy and then have him to be ready to start with nobody behind him. So I agree. It is a little bit of the roll of the dice on Vance, but it's really a best-case uh, scenario. I mean, it's just like, what else are you going to do? And, there, and by the way, there's a great chance that he's going to play very well. I mean, he's been good for the Steelers. He's not Heath, but he's been good. Yeah. Hawkinson? Thank you. Is that what you're thinking? Yes, about? yes, TJ Hawkinson. It's not like I pulled that from the recesses of my aging brain. I mean, while you were you talking, you did a little research. Well, that's what a, that's what a man yeah, of experience realized, does. I realize we're recording this uh, video as well as we normally do because we're going to post some of this on Instagram and the rest of our social media. Is it is it okay that it is? Should I just tell people we're recording this after five o'clock? Yeah. Oh no! Come on, we're past five o'clock. The uh, the caps come off at this point. Okay, so I'm having a nice. Hey, wait, wait, wait. All day. They need to, they need to pay us for that. Okay.
Okay. That one, first one's free, founders. First one's free. <laughs> All day. No, I we are going to, we are trying to slowly get, um, some more of this content available and I will do an Instagram video this week. It got caught up in some stuff, uh, but maybe this is something that we can share, but either way, um, I guess we started with some of that Ben talk, just talking generally about, uh, some, some super way too early prognostications for the Steelers, but I don't think it's necessarily that early. Cause I agree. You know, what's funny is that defense, they actually could get better, and you're right. You get to it back, but you do lose Hargrave, which sucks. But what's that, a push? I mean, Tua was the best player on the defense before he got hurt, so maybe it's not a push. But um, the one thing that we keep forgetting is Devin Bush hasn't even scratched the surface. So what if you get a, like a star version of Devin Bush, and now your defense is rivaling those great Steelers defenses where you have superstars at every position – Two superstar interior line uh, defensive linemen, one superstar edge rusher, and another star edge rusher. Superstar in the secondary, they, all kinds of stuff. So you're right; they actually could improve. <laughs> Do you think Minka can can improve? I mean, I didn't see any weaknesses yeah. to his game, and the only thing I can say is he'll have a year. You know, he'll be able to go through training camp. Isn't that insane? That guy can improve, too. And you remember we talked last week on the pod about how he wants to be moved around a little bit more so that offenses don't have the chance to just avoid him during games, which isn't such a bad thing, by the way, shutting down a total uh, a whole area of the field. But, yeah, the coaches can use him more. He'll be more familiarized with the Steelers, and then he'll just have played more NFL games, and especially for a safety he could be getting into that prime area of his career when you're still young enough to be fast to make the breaks on the ball, but your brain has caught up a little bit so you can you can diagnose plays a little bit quicker. So I do agree that, crazy enough, they could even get better. And we know the offense is getting better. Good Goodness gracious. So everybody is on fire about the combine and mock drafts. And now that I've been doing this for a couple of years, I can see why everybody's others are irritated with these stupid mock drafts. <laughs> it's like uh, throwing darts in the, in the stock market. But more importantly, there's a lot of news having to do with the potential new collective bargaining agreement. So the, as we were talking about last week, it looks like both sides, players and owners, are trying to get something done, even though they have, they've got a year to work on this thing. They'd like to get it done sooner than later. And last week, you know, some of the conjecture is, hey, the economy's good. You want to get um, you want to start locking in sponsorships and ads while the economy's roaring and everybody right. feels flush. So there are some really significant changes being proposed. The owners approved um, the contract that they just that they sent to the players. Right. And let me just go over a couple of things here. They want to move, obviously we've been talking about this, they want to increase the number of regular season games to 17. So one really interesting thing that you just informed me about, because I hadn't read this, they increase the number of games to 17, but players' checks will be capped at $250,000. Yeah, it's not going to work. How, does, how do you look a man in the face who's making, what was, did you make 800000 400000 So I can't imagine anybody that being acceptable unless it's sort of like a throwaway point. They'll say, okay, we'll waive the minimum two fifty. We'll raise the cap if you guys accept the 17-game season. It feels like we're just going to throw a lot of stuff out there. And the 80-20 rule, you could actually you could say no to a lot of stuff, but in the end we'll get the things we really <clears throat> wanted. 
Okay, that's an awesome point. And I actually put a bookmark in this earlier in the week when I saw that news come out about the 250K, hold on, uh, 250K cap on the final game check because I was shocked. I thought that it was almost an inaccurate leak. And I didn't even want to tweet about it because I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm like, this this can't be right. I mean, we got guys, every starting quarterback is making at least a million dollars per game, if not two million for all the good guys. There's no way that they're going to play an extra game, take that wear and tear onto their bodies, and do it for a fraction of their salary. The owners have to be idiots if they're proposing this. The players' union will never agree to it. And by the way... Many representatives of the Players Union, like Richard Sherman, J.J. Watt, I don't know if J.J. is an official representative, but he's obviously a major voice in the NFL. A lot of them came out on Twitter, Ramon Foster, and said, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So what do you think that is? I want to put a pin in your point about the owners offering a bunch of things in the negotiations, knowing that they're going to concede some things that maybe don't matter to them. But why would they say twenty five or, or 250000 Do they really think that that can happen? Or is this like a super basic negotiation tool of like, you better set the bar low so we we have to go higher later, but we don't have to go that high. So it seems no, like frankly, we gave an inch. I do. Hey, so something else I just realized or found out, that over half the league is making the set, the minimum for their – status in the NFL, whether it be a first year, first round contract or, you know, a veteran minimum. So maybe part of this is throwing something out for the proletariat. You know, the the poor guys, relatively speaking, comprise more than 50 percent of the players. And maybe what it is is like, look, they'll, they'll be happy to take 250 or they'll, you know, at least they'll make their nut if they're making, you know, what it's going to be, 100,000 a game or something like that. So they can buy a lot of votes that way. Right. That makes sense. Uh, that, that, that does make sense. And your overall point, you made a couple of good points in that little uh, prelude there talking about this is, you know, there are some worries about what's happening next year with the NFL, given that the presidential election may affect the TV ratings. Obviously, some of the TV ratings went down a few years ago during that presidential race. Like we've mentioned before, you can't prove that that's what brought the TV ratings down for the NFL, but there's definitely a correlation there, so you could be worried about that potentially happening. Also, there are some people predicting there might be a recession, so that could affect the money, but right now there certainly isn't a recession, and there is money on the table, and there is some big-time TV contract money to be made. That's why the owners want to get this done right now, while they can, and they're going to concede some things that sort of seem like they're giving ground, but they're not. The biggest one being the essential elimination of the marijuana-based suspensions. I think part of what they have approved in their CBA pitch, by the way, when we said that the owners have approved the CBA pitch, that doesn't mean the CBA has been signed. That just means the owners have agreed to the terms that they want to get, right? So it, it wasn't unanimous, by the way. We don't know who voted against it, do we? Right, they didn't. They didn't reveal that. It's going to be the Steelman. It's the Steelman, the 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 lone beacon of light. Steelers were the only ones who voted against it last time. Um, Uh But back to what I was saying about the marijuana-based suspensions. Part of 
the new CBA will be the owners agreed to make marijuana testing only for a two week window during the year. And, you know, just some background, it takes like a couple weeks to get out of your system if you're smoking all the time or eating it or whatever it is. So really, it's like you got to stay clean for a month. And then the whole rest of the year, you can partake in marijuana, uh, you know, especially if you're on the teams who live in states where the, it's actually illegal. And we all know the NFL is late to the party on this. The social stigma around marijuana has been greatly reduced. You especially talk about the fact that there's a major epidemic in America and especially in the NFL regarding, um, what are they, you know, pain pills? What's the, which uh, is totally blanking on the blanket opioids. term. Yeah, on opioids and especially NFL players have been addicted to these things and they get reliant on them. Whereas something like marijuana can help them deal with some of the pain stuff. There's just so many benefits to it. And long story short, it's a pain in the butt that players have been getting suspended for this. So the NFL is catching up to some of these other professional leagues like the NBA by taking away those marijuana suspensions, but they're really not conceding anything that doesn't cost the owners any money whatsoever. Ironically, it actually makes the owners more money because we've lost players like Martavis Bryant, like Josh Gordon, like Ricky Williams over the years because of this stupid marijuana policy. So ironically, having better players in the league makes more money for the owners. So that's a false concession. And I think the NFL players have seen through that. I don't remember if it was Damian Woody, but it was some former offensive lineman, current like ESPN analyst, who said the NFL players are being stupid because they're letting the owners use the marijuana policy as a bargaining chip. And they should really be using money as a bargaining chip. And Ramon Foster responded to him basically saying, yeah, we're not letting the marijuana policy be the bargaining chip there. So you're right. They will use fake concessions that don't actually cost them money. The NFL players have to see through that. Look, you hit the nail on the head. This is, this is no longer a social stigma. So Because if social stigma uh, wasn't a factor, they'd say yes to steroids. I mean, bigger, faster, stronger totally. only helps the product. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So there's some really interesting things about this CBA. It's kind of fascinating. It would be even more fascinating if we didn't have to be scared about losing NFL games, which, you know, has only happened, what, one time they had a lockout? I don't know if they – did they miss games? Was it Within the 2000s, there was one major disagreement, and then in the 80s, there was a lockout season where they got some, some – uh, they got scabs to go in there, the replacements, right? But then that ended pretty quickly. So I don't know if we'll ever actually see them missing games or not, but it is an interesting chess match. And I actually have a lot to say about this 17-game season, but I have even more to say about the proposed expansion from 12 to 14 playoff teams. So that's the next thing we got to talk about. The AFC and the NFC would each get one additional team that makes the playoffs every year. And I think it's crap. Do you have any initial thoughts about this? Because I, I got a whole host of emotions. First of all, it's more football. True. What do you, who can be against more football? Well, that's true. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here on the maybe. weekends watching the XF, XFL right now. My new favorite product. It's like a new toy. Landry. As I watch the crowds dwindle each right. progressive game. <laughs> when they realize, 
Oh, these guys didn't even make the practice squad? <laughs> little fast forward for the show, though. We'll have a Landry Jones watch before the end of the show. We will. He's doing well. So what's your problem with the expanded playoffs? My problem is that there's the reason why the NFL is so special and one of the biggest reasons I think why it's by far the most popular American professional sport. I mean, they just absolutely annihilate the NBA and the MLB in terms of money that's brought in and they play an absolute fraction of the games. And that's one of the reasons why it's so special. Every single solitary game matters. We know that as Steelers fans because Jesse did catch it. But since the referees decided that he did not catch it against New England, the Steelers ended up getting the second seed in the playoffs. They had to play a incredibly good Jacksonville Jaguars team instead of getting to play the Tennessee Titans at home, which would have been a much easier schedule. And you see the Steelers went 13-3 and that year, but one game made a huge difference in, in, in what it would be like. Then you look at you know 2017, or 2018, excuse me, when they went 9-6-1. and one, You know, they lost that crap game to the Saints really strongly thanks to some horrible pass interference caused by the referees. And we know that the Steelers were probably the hottest team in the NFL at that time because they got screwed against the Chargers and the Saints, and they beat the Patriots, and those were three of the top five teams in the NFL. And this was all within the last four or five weeks of the season. So if the Steelers had just won one more game, or half of a game, (laughs) with the tie, they would have been able to make it into the playoffs and possibly make some noise, right? So I think the scarcity is what makes it good. And every year, even like the sixth seed in the playoffs, it's like they kind of have no chance We like having them in there because it's a good even number, and every once in a while you do get the Steelers beating the Seahawks or the Giants making a run to beat the Patriots. But now you're taking teams like this year's Pittsburgh Steelers, the 8-8 Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph-led Pittsburgh Steelers. We said pretty much the whole year, Dad, they have no chance at winning the Super Bowl. And we try to tell our audience that that doesn't mean it's not going to be a fun season. That doesn't mean that this season won't serve as a springboard towards a Super Bowl in 2020. And here you and I are talking about that today. Huge improvements were made with that defense to get them ready for the return of the big man. But Duck wasn't going to win the Super Bowl. You just have to get through too much to get there. The only thing that the Steelers could have done was play the Chiefs in the first round because that's who they would have played and then potentially injure some of the Chiefs players or the, like, Get the living crap beat out of them by the Chiefs. Now, side note, I would have loved to see them play the Chiefs because my only thing with that defense this past year was that I wish that we had gotten to see them play like a great offense. So as Steelers fans, it would have been good. But long story short, the NBA, not like 85% of the teams who make the playoffs have a 0% chance at winning the championship or even going to the championship. You could never have a Giants over Patriots in the NBA or the N- or the MLB or really even the NHL. You could never have Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles over the Patriots in any of those other leagues either. So you're starting to let teams in that really have no business being in the playoffs. And the only reason why you're doing that as the owners, is because you're going to make more money off of it because it's more games. The individual owners make crap loads of money off of playoff games, especially when they're held in their own stadium. And now I'm getting annoyed because you're billionaires. How much more money do you need? And now you are 
compromising the football product. Because by the time some of these teams get to the Super Bowl, they will have maybe have to play an extra pointless game, and maybe Travis Kelsey's hurt, and he can't play in the Super Bowl. And then think about this. If you have a 17-game season, which is supposed to become an 18-game season, the star players aren't going to play as much in your preseason games. And we know firsthand that that results in sloppier early season games. So you are making the regular season, the start of the regular season, a lower quality football. You're making the end of the playoffs a lower quality of football because there's going to be more injuries. And you're taking, you're just lowering the quality of football to make extra money that in, in the first place you couldn't spend all that money even if you wanted to. That's a long rambling way to describe why I'm annoyed. They're purposely lowering the quality of the NFL just to make more money. I'm not surprised, of course, I'm not an idiot, but it's annoying. You had me until that point where they have there's too much money to be spent. You're starting to sound communist. Mind. Not gonna go yeah. <laughs> hey, uh you, you a very good point. I, I love the point you made or the word you use scarcity. I mean, that makes anything more valuable. I will say, yeah. you know, the potential to lose players was there when there was a 14-game season. I mean, that, that, that works at every, you know, you, you might play one game then if you want to use that argument. That's part, of the, that's part of the game. And whether or not you have players in at the beginning of the season or not, you know, starters not playing in preseason, sort of irrelevant. It is a level playing field. If you're telling me that right. fans are going to start peeling off because you have a crappy product, I would buy that. I just don't think it's going to degrade so much that people will start leaving. Um, I just wanted to – I don't feel that strongly. I think what would happen is they'll, they'll expand the playoffs and it will be our new normal. I don't think it's going to be so noticeable. Right. And what the <clears throat> argument I would make is, you know, with the long shots, the, the players who, or the teams that won't make it, right. March Madness is predicated on hope. How many teams get in? That 64? I guess it's 68 now when they have the play-in games. I mean, most of those teams are such long shots that people show up in droves to watch them. Austin P. Remember when Dayton couldn't field a team and right. run through the playoffs? But, uh, but I agree with you on scarcity. I went through and looked at all the major sports to see how many, what percentage of teams make the playoffs. You know who makes the fewest number of team who has the fewest number of teams in the playoffs who is baseball 10 teams mm. 33 percent of teams make the mlb you know who has the most nba yeah are you looking at the note no i just 53. know that half of the teams get into the right 53 percent of teams in the nba and 52 in the nhl make the playoffs and you and i are so aligned on uh all these sports that just too many games to get to get excited about and that, uh, that and that's where i land uh yeah most of the teams have no argument. chance to win the no like the celtics have or, or whoever you want to say like the rockets can't win the championship and they're like the fifth the fourth best team in their conference the fourth best team in the conference in the nfl can definitely win a championship mainly because they play multiple multiple game series if you did, if you had right. to have a lineup, I mean, it's one of the reasons yeah. some of these small-time schools in the NCAA are able to get through to the Sweet 16 or you know the Elite Eight because it's one game at a time. There's not, you know, the great equalizer is a game of best of five. Right. Yeah, that's an awesome point. And then this, you know, hey, the Titans beating the Ravens was insanity this year, and but it's interesting because you can make the argument that there, there's like. 
not really a snowball's chance in hell that the Steelers <laughs> would have beat the Chiefs in the playoffs this year with how bad they were playing. You know, losing to the Jets, dropping into the Bills. I know the Bills made the playoffs, but they're the Bills. Um, but like the Steelers, let's say they did upset them. You're not. You only have so many of those left in you. It was sort of like this year. We were excited with the upsets that happened early in the playoffs because you're you're psyched for that March Madness style excitement. But then the rest of the playoffs sucked. Like the championship weekend was such a bummer because we realized, wow, we should have had Ravens versus Chiefs and like Saints or Seahawks versus Niners. By the way, the Saints and the Niners and the Seahawks and the Niners played probably the two best regular season games of the year. The Chiefs and the Ravens always play good games, even though the Chiefs got their number. You would have had this magnificent ending to the season, but we had this dull, like, we know Green Bay has no chance against the Niners, and they basically let up a 1,000 rushing yards in one game. And the Titans, nobody, they were up, but you, they, they were the Titans. There was no chance they were winning that against Patrick Mahomes. And so it, it lowered the quality of the game. So really, that to me is all that's going to happen. Every once in a while, you'll get a 2017 Steel, or 2018 Steelers, you know, the one that lost the Saints team that I was mentioning. That team could have won the Super Bowl. They were so hot, and they were battle-tested against really good teams. All of the best teams in the NFL, the Steelers went toe-to-toe with them right there at the end of the year. But then mostly you're just going to get like a Steelers from this year where they could maybe pull one game out of the hat, but all you're doing is like... I don't know. I just want to see the best teams play the best teams. And I think you're right. It's just going to become the new normal. But by the way, the goal for the 17-game season is not a 17-game season. It's just to get you to an 18-game season. And then the goal for uh, two extra playoff teams is not for two extra playoff teams. It's for four extra playoff teams because it is widely known The NFL has a goal of stretching the season out so that the Super Bowl falls on President's Day weekend, which is a three-day weekend for some people. I feel like not everybody – I never got that day off, but some people do, and maybe more will be inclined to. I know, right? Well, they give you about four weeks for Fourth of July, so that's neither here nor there. But the goal is to get it so that the Super Bowl could – arrive on President's Day weekend, you can make it even more of like a media extravaganza and so on and so forth. So, like you're saying, there's potential for injury in a 14-game season, but there's a 100% chance that more players are going to get injured if there's more games because players get injured in every single game. And then you're going to see, like even think about when the Steelers beat the Dolphins in the playoffs in the first round a couple years ago. When I guess it was Matt Moore was playing quarterback. That's when Bud Dupree tried to decapitate him. Well, the Dolphins beat the crap out of the Steelers earlier that year. That's when Ben got hurt during that game. But Ryan Tannehill was having his best season of his career. And you and I pointed that out, and people laughed at us. And now look what happened. He played well in Tennessee. But Tannehill was playing very well. Well, he got hurt, and they were useless in the playoffs. Same thing happened to the Steelers when they beat the Bengals in that rainy infamous game Andy Dalton was having the best season of his career and then he didn't play and it was AJ McCarron so like it just lowers the quality of play overall in the playoffs that will happen 100% point blank period if not every year it's going to happen sometimes just as a result of them playing more games no doubt let, let me wrap up this chess match and just give people a couple of dates and what's gone on so far from a business perspective 
Last Thursday, February 20th, the NFL owners approved the proposal for the new collective bargaining agreement. We talked about that earlier. Doesn't mean it's approved. It just means the owners put forth a proposal. They also voted to keep the 2011 CBA in place this year if the players don't vote to approve. No surprise there. The next right. day, the NFL PA's executive committee voted six to five against recommend, recommending that proposal to the players. So they canceled, um, they basically canceled a vote by the players on that, on that proposal. So more to come. Hey, so we have a, we have a couple compadres out there. We support each other and we sort of That's met right. them out there on Twitter. Thurston Goal Podcast. These guys are a show about NFL football in general. They're about football, bourbon, and beer. Uh, they sent us, a, we're doing a little crossover promotion. Uh, please hang on there and listen to the promotion. Check it out. Do you love NFL football, fun, and booze? Join us at Thirst and Goal Podcast every Saturday night for weekly NFL coverage, whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and beer reviews. We mix expert football analysis with signature drinks, original segments, and lots and lots of laughs. That's right, football fans. Please join us at Thirst and Goal Podcast by heading over to thirstinggold.buzzsprout.com or search Thirst and Goal Podcast on the web. If you're tired of boring podcasts, Please come join our football party. Yeah, if NFL football, fun bourbon and beer aren't your favorite things, or at least some of your favorite things, you might need to reorganize your priorities. But, yeah, shout out to Thurston Goal. So a couple little tidbits out there for the Steelers in Steelers news. Artie Burns switched his agent, as did Bud Dupree. I have no idea what implications that might have. Obviously, Bud Dupree has a lot to talk about. Artie Burns is, you know, there's a 99.9% chance he's going to be looking for a job at the end of uh, by free agency. Yeah, if, if Artie hasn't hired, uh, what's his name, Jerry Maguire, he's probably in trouble. So I'm thinking this guy's probably spending whatever he's made in the NFL on the greatest agent known to man so he can try to stay in the NFL. I I mean, someone will take a flyer on him because he's a first-round player and these guys have unlimited lives, but he hasn't put out any tape over the past two years that say he's even playable. So I have no idea what's going on with that. But obviously with Bud, this is a massive, massive opportunity for him to cash in on the free agent market. But he's a bit of a weird case. I think like Shaq Barrett for the Buccaneers. Is he on the Buccaneers? Yeah, he led the NFL in sacks. He's a weird case too because these are two guys who are generally considered borderline busts before this year i mean they definitely didn't live up to their first round billings but then they had this huge incredible year but it's tough because it's not a big sample size so you don't really know how to pay these guys out i guess it just takes one team to pay you what you need to be paid though so i can see why bud would be adjusting you know what makes me nervous about that what lack of loyalty i'm sort of banking that <laughs> right not that, not that bud would give the steelers a team-friendly contract he shouldn't i mean you've got to take it when you can get it <laughs> makes me a little nervous we have no idea what's going on behind this decision maybe maybe they sort of a mutual parting of the ways although his old his old agency would have stood to make a couple of shekels on this deal right well hey let me ask you this let me ask you this if you were like a fan of another team how psyched would you be about signing bud or not because I got to tell you, I would not 
I would not feel comfortable paying him big money. I, I love how he performed, and I'm proud of the guy. I'm really hoping he gets some great money from the Steelers and whoever he gets it from. That's awesome. Obviously, we don't want him to stay here. But I wouldn't feel very comfortable paying a guy who produced for one out of his five years and also did that production with the best edge rusher in the league on the other side from him and it's one of the best point. interior defense linemen. You know, he borders on injury prone, even though he's had quiet, yeah. these quiet injuries because he's, he's played with them. You got, I give him credit for that. But, yeah, he, he played with a – he played in a system too. Is it, is it the system? Because he never – I mean, it's not – he's no TJ what? No, and, and, and like – you don't sign him to be your number one edge rusher. Like, that would be weird. He's, I don't think he's that. I mean, obviously, he played great this year and, and defeated a lot of one on one blocks and double teams as opposed to other years when he was just running stunts and blitzes and using his athleticism. I mean, his game took a legit leap. So, when you look at the tape, it looks like it should translate to any team because, like we always talk about, you don't just look at the numbers. You look at how the player gets the numbers. And if you're beating your tackle one-on-one consistently, left tackles in the NFL, you know, that's a good sign. That should translate to any team because you're out there generally on an island, but just the lack of consistency is alarming. And no matter who he plays for, he's a good addition because he's a great athlete he is, yeah, injury prone, but he stays in the game even if he's injured. He's You can rely on him to at least be a good run defender, but he's a weird guy to pay. It's not like as automatic as taking, let's say, Khalil Mack when he traded teams, a mega superstar, or even a guy like James Harrison or Terrell Suggs who are in the twilight of their career, but they're these guys who you just know that you can rely on to be at least decent and to be great leaders. He's in a weird position. Yeah, he's going to be chewing up $16 million worth of cap space. Speaking of free agency, and I'll do this uh, pretty quickly, uh, franchise tags, tag designation. Oh, you nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm exhausted. It's the weirdest brain So fart. I don't know how significant this is that the NFLPA and the NFL Management Council agreed to push back franchise tag period from February 25th to February 27th, and it will end on March 12th instead of March 10th. Two days. Big, big, big change. Not a big change but the um, right but a perspective you could take is they really want to make enough room for themselves to sign this new cba you know it's a couple of days to give them a little bit more time to negotiate and come to an agreement because once you know i I guess the feeling is once we start uh hitting this franchise and transition tags they're going to just go through with the current cba do you think that that might be an advantage for the players, the fact that the owners want to get this done so quickly and the players aren't really motivated to? Or do you think oh. that the owners are all billionaires and they can stand their ground? The, the owners, you know, their name isn't uh, by accident. They, they can do whatever they want. It, it, yeah. they, as long as you can withstand the, the penalty or the, the consequence, which would be a lockout and not playing, they, they're gonna, they can win this all day long. Yeah, and it's never people, happened. I mean, from, for, it's never really happened. So, you know, like, how do you get people to... I mean, people, they've locked out, but they've never lasted. It's never lasted, right. I mean, there are several games. And I, I would say, uh, based on what we know, which is nothing from the inside, there's right. equal motivation to get it while the, while the money's there. Right. I mean, if there is an economic downturn, or, you know, again, I'm not sure that, that, that the last election caused a downturn in TV ratings and we had the whole CTE discussion and yeah. don't, send your, don't let your kids play football. But everybody wants to lock in the guarantee while they can. 
you make a good point, by the way. I meant to mention this earlier about the players also being motivated to get it done quickly while the country is not in a recession and while these potentially lucrative TV contracts are on the table. It makes that whole $250,000 cap on the extra game check just even that more egregious. Like, there's going to be more money coming in. (laughs) Like, that is such a terrible deal. That's why I was shocked when that information came out because I just couldn't believe the owners thought that people, the players would agree to this. But I guess that's how you negotiate. So, anyways. So the bouncing ball has finally stopped rolling, and the Steelers hired Ike Hilliard as the wide receivers coach. Two weeks in a row. We got some bad information. It's not Brian McClendon. He's going back to South Carolina. It's not Jericho Cotri. 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 Jayco. Hillier. Jayco. Yeah, Ike Hilliard, the old Giants and Bucks receiver. I love this hire. Actually, we talked about this on Twitter a little bit. I like Ike Hilliard for the same reasons that I like Jericho Cotri. Because this guy, he's actually been out of the NFL for 10 years, which is crazy because I remember him being one of the you know, one of the better receivers in the NFL all through my childhood and adolescence. But he's not so far removed to, from his playing career where he can't relate to players. I don't know why I use like a quadruple negative there. But what I'm trying to say is he's young enough to still relate to players and where he can talk to them where he's been there. And generally the same era of football, more or less. It's not like he's a guy from the 70s or the 80s or whatever. Um, but he has more coaching experience than Jericho Cotri. So that's actually probably an upgrade. Jayco obviously has a relationship with Tomlin and Ben and other players on the Steelers. So that'd be an advantage for him. But yeah, Ike Hilliard has actually done well as a receivers coach. He was the receivers coach in Washington for two different stints. But most recently, you know, he presided over Terry McLaurin, who was Pretty much the best rookie receiver in the NFL this year. I know A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf had big years, but for McLaurin to do it in Washington, you got to put a a grade curve on that, right? He was great. Uh, Jameson Crowder was excellent in Washington. And while they did have, you know, flops like Josh Doxson, he's done a good job with the receivers over there. And I just really like hiring somebody who is recently-ish removed from the NFL because the Steelers' receiving room is so young. So they could use some... Uh, leadership from that angle. Okay, so news this week, the NFL Combine starts Thursday with tight ends, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and runs through Sunday. The big news is the Terrell Austin drill for DBs. There are about 50 new drills they're going to run these players through, and I just picked that up. I think they're they're basically changing almost half of what the, the DBs do, and one of them is named for our own Terrell Austin. And honestly, That's right. Can't even describe the drill. It's it's crazy. Good. That's that's anarchy, baby. You're gonna see some of that. Steelers, Blitzburg. AB Maybe he's is, learning. A B gets into the news again yet what? another week. Are you kidding? Yeah. Wow. It's so odd. He dropped a giant piece of weightlifting equipment on his dome. Oh my gosh, I know we have another piece about him starting to battle the Raiders off the field. Uh, Jeremy Fowler tweeted out that the wideouts' grievance against the organization, the Oakland Raiders, will be heard by an arbitrator, 
Wow, nice job, Nick. In May, Brown filed a grievance over lost wages, including more than $30 million in guaranteed money. Uh, No report has been released yet as to when he's going to probably try to do the same thing against the Patriots for cutting him and not paying him all the money that they said he would uh, uh, receive or whatever. But the biggest news to me is the video of him trying to impress everybody by bench pressing 350 pounds or whatever it was. He gets up to celebrate. And I don't even know what this was. It's like, you know, a giant weight rack. So I don't know where this enormous, surely 60-pound mechanical arm came from, but it's he Brown stands up, it swings down from the top of this rack, and it looks like it hits him either on the head or like on the shoulders, and he kind of collapses, and his buddy who was Instagramming it uh, turned off the phone. But this guy, it just goes from bad to worse with this guy. We didn't even talk about when Logan Paul, Mr. Whitebread YouTube, a racially insensitive man himself, released a diss track in which he's challenging Antonio Brown to a boxing match. And actually, the diss track was pretty good. He talked a lot of crap about uh, Brown and all. I mean, there's plenty of fuel for the fire, right? There's plenty of stuff to talk about. But he is just getting owned left or right, whether it's by little YouTube guys or by inanimate objects. Just want to hug him. So now it's time for that new special session in Steelers Outpost podcast, Landry Watch. Landry Watch. The Dallas Renegades top the Seattle Dragons 24 to 12, and Landry Jones again plays a central role, improving on his performance for last from last week. 30 for 41 for 274 yards, three tutties, uh, two interceptions, one which wasn't his fault. That's all right. You just met these guys. One of them was a 65-yard touchdown. Look at that. Only 15 yards in the air, but it was he gets credit for 65. And he's throwing a couple bombs. Good for him. Um, I found this really interesting. The NFL is carrying news on the XFL on their website. That is interesting. Well, hopefully that's a good sign that they won't be too prideful to take some of the good rules that the – XFL's made. Obviously, everybody likes the kickoff thing. Hey, by the way, I'm not convinced on the kickoff thing yet until I see a kickoff return touchdown. Happened. Happened. Check it out. It did? It awesome. It was a reverse. No way. Uh, check oh, it out. I got to find I that. I wish I wrote down the teams. It's a really okay. cool play. Yeah, maybe we yeah. can post that to Instagram. Because like I told you, I'm not watching until it can catch my interest. But if that works, if there actually is the potential of, a, of touchdowns to happen on that kickoff play, the NFL's got to take that right away. But honestly, I'm kind of even in the camp of, like, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to the NFL. You don't need the damn kickoff. We get four extra sets of commercials with the kickoff, and it never really – like, what do we get, five cumulative kick return touchdowns every year? I don't like it. Also, we're bad at it, so it would be great if we could get rid of it. (laughs) They're not going to get rid of the commercials, though. That's one thing you can count on. Look, XFL could be their Petri dish. That would be great. Experiment with all these rules. Let those guys try it out. But check it out. I mean, that, I, if anybody here in the audience has an opinion about whether the XFL kickoff format enables or hinders the ability to return the ball further or, or for a touchdown, let us know what you think about it because I, I see it cutting both ways. Yeah, is it? Wor- I guess my question is, which might have been answered with the kick return for touchdown this weekend, if you have created this kickoff in the NFL 
or in the XFL and it lowers the injuries, great. But if there's no chance of them ever scoring on it, then I'm like, well, you just have basically the same thing, so screw it. But if there is a chance for it to score, that's the appeal of a kickoff. I mean, actually gaining and losing field position, it's a game of field position and the potential for a big play. So if that's there, then kudos to the XFL and maybe they should look at the two-point conversion shootout that the XFL has for overtime as well if that ends up working out. And finally, we bring you the answer to last week's trivia question. How long did it take the Steelers' cumulative record to rise above 500? And this can be in terms of the number of years or whatever year it happened and the number of games. Tell me. It took 68 years from 1933 Ah. to 2002, exactly 932 games to achieve a record of 500. And also you should know, it dipped back down under 500 for a couple of games after that until the Steelers finally grabbed a toe hold and managed to climb out of that hole. It's been a long and storied history, and as all Steelers fans acknowledge, it didn't start until 1970. But then we remember there were a couple years before that that didn't go so great. Sorry, I did not post that on the damn Twitter. I had the draft ready and I didn't put it up, so we'll, uh, we'll do another one in the future. Hey, hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at Steelers Steelers Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match just go to indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. 
Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.